0: Oh man, we had just finished recording. I was about to go downstairs and watch one television show with my wife before bed, but no, at just after 11.30 Pacific time, blockbuster trade. This is beyond anything that I thought the Sixers would do. We had talked about them maybe trying to get some kind of a rotation piece going forward, but to grab Tobias Harris was well beyond what I thought they might consider. Danny, what are the full parameters of this absolute blockbuster?
1: The Philadelphia 76ers are receiving Tobias Harris Boban Marjanovic and Mike Scott and the Los Angeles Clippers are receiving Landry Shamet, Wilson Chandler Mike Miscala Philadelphia's own 2020 first rounder which is lottery protected for three years then would become two seconds if it has not yet conveyed Miami's 2021 unprotected first and then Philadelphia's own 2021 and 2023 second round picks
0: wow Just the value here is so interesting to talk about. I want to actually start with that first before we talk about what these teams will look like on the floor what it means for their future financial situations Boban Mike Scott those two guys are expiring contracts I think Scott will actually play for the Sixers off the bench unless they get somebody else he he can fulfill somewhat the role that Muscala was playing and probably do a better job of it certainly offensively Boban could get in the mix for some backup center minutes against larger teams they can go with Bolden with smaller teams again assuming they're done which I don't think they're going to be because they will certainly be active in the buyout market at the minimum so basically though what you're looking for here is harris that miami 2021 unprotected is maybe the best pick that's out there maybe second best to that memphis pick that the celtics have going forward philly's lotto protected first rounder and then shamit who i think has played well enough this year that you can kind of look at him as another first round pick this is you know two think of it as two first round picks in the 20s and then a first rounder that you know is probably going to be at least in the lottery with miami and then the two seconds as well though those are again going to be likely although by 2023 who knows where all these guys are going to be but likely those are picks are going to be in the second half the second round not that valuable for a guy who's on an expiring contract he does have a small cap hold relative to what he's expected to get in free agency but he is a free agent he can leave the sixers are going to have to pay him a lot of money Maybe not quite the max but probably pretty close to it you would imagine with all the cap room that is out there what do you think of that tobias harris for that package given his free agent status coming up here just in a vacuum
1: i think it's a pretty significant overpay i like tobias harris i think that he can be a useful part of a team i mean he's been an important part of what the the clippers have done this year but i did not have him as an all-star he was, you know, he was in the loosely considered section of my Western Conference, and sure, Western Conference All Stars was a tougher field by far than the East. Harris is 26 now; he will turn 27 over this off season, and you know, it's great. The last two years, actually, it's been longer than that. He's been a 40% three-point shooter now for, I think, this is would be his fourth season and third or fourth season in a row if it continues. Well, we'll see. If, we'll see if it does. Oh no, never mind. That was because he played on two teams last year. It was only only last year and this year that he's been over 40. But he's a career 30 seven percent three-point shooter yeah
0: i buy that he can continue shooting 40 i do yeah i i do, I yeah, I, I, I do really too good shooting it he does
1: and and tobias harris i think that he can function reasonably well on and off the ball i worry a little bit that there's another kind of too many cooks type of situation where yeah yeah you have another guy who can do more with the ball but how often are those opportunities going to present themselves especially because it sounds like they're intending on starting reddick butler simmons Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid that's a lot of guys who like the ball in their hands and he is better off ball than a lot of the guys in that mix like i mean simmons most notably yeah but i mean that you know, there was something cool that they were doing in the clip in Clipperland with him and danilo gallinari together and you can't replicate that with all these other guys out there harris being the fourth best defender on his team is going to be fascinating like just the, the amount of length and switchability reddick notwithstanding that this team has now in their starting five is fascinating and they have a little bit of time to integrate it this year. But, yeah, so if we're talking about, like, is Tobias Harris worth that, especially when you consider that, for me, he is not one of those players who a max contract is a value. You know, LeBron is the most
0: obvious example here. There are a lot of those. That's the key to me, yeah. Like,
1: he on a max contract even the more optimistic people i mean if you base off of what he's done over his career and yeah it's a, a great story he's blossomed so much since orlando traded him for basically nothing that's guy still at a max contract is i think that's you know maybe it's fair value if you're an optimist and for me i think it would be you know mo- slight not big negative value and then you talk about opportunity costs and all those other type of things so that's a lot and Because he's an unrestricted free agent, he doesn't have deep ties to the, to the area or anything like that in terms of his history with the team. I don't think that he's like from there or anything because he went to Tennessee. So I don't, I don't think he has deep, deep connections. I could be wrong on that. I just don't know them. So you're taking a huge risk he has a ton of leverage here because he can just leave and so if if he would rather take a 3 plus 1 with another team he could just say hey give me give me the full boat or something close to it and maybe you end up in a, in derozan land you know something that's not quite there but is still very lucrative so i mean this reminds me of I mean, Elton Brand is a very new GM. This reminds me a lot of the types of moves that the coach GM hybrids would make of like, hey, this makes us a lot better for right now. We'll deal with the consequences when they come
0: yeah this is one of those things where it better pay off I mean, remember jimmy butler is also free agent now there is some insurance here if one of these guys leaves they still have the other one and they could still have not quite a max slot but still a, plenty of money going get one now of course jj reddick would have to be brought back this if they do hold on to butler and harris that actually helps them because you wanted to stay over the cap and hopefully with reddick you know they can pay him They'll have early bird rights on him with that $12 million, So they would be able to pay Reddick as well up to 175% of last year's salary. So that should be enough to keep him in the fold. We'll see how many years that takes. But now he doesn't eat up their cap room. So you're kind of getting another slot here for a major guy by making this move if you retain all three of those guys redick harris and butler but you think about this in terms of just the assets required you're either trading for tobias harris who's about to start a i don't know five year 150 million dollar deal his max would start at 32.7 for next year so you'd be hopeful that you could get him at 30 million a year over five years or maybe it's four years and it's 147 million if it's only four years with the eight percent raises you know that's that's gonna be i mean The Sacramento Kings would offer four years for Tobias Harris at the max in a heartbeat. You know, they're going to have a ton of room. So, I mean, they're they're very likely going to have to come correct. Maybe they can get a little bit of a discount on that five-year or the four-year, but not much. He's going to be at least a $30 million a year player, you have to imagine. So trading for him on that contract and you're giving up essentially three first-round picks two of them not that great but and also this is we don't know what other paths they are now foreclosing and this is it now they just have their 2019 pick they now can't trade until the draft even if they wanted to and then your 2022 and beyond picks can be traded most likely, assuming they'll be in the playoffs for those lottery protected picks to go or lottery protected pick to go. And I'm not sure about this fit in Philly. Now, it is an excellent fit because he can really, really shoot the ball. They are going to be extremely difficult to stop. And then Brett Brown and that Philly analytics staff, they love to get guys out of the game early, mix and match units. So presumably the there'll be some chances for Harris to, to work with the ball in his hands a little bit more. Probably will be reduced to mostly a spot-up role when he's playing with the starters. You said he's the fourth best defender. I think that's very clear to me. I don't think he's really a positive defensively. He's got size. So maybe there's a hope that he's not going to just get overpowered if you have to switch a little bit on the perimeter. He's still going to have Joel Embiid behind him, obviously. Those Joel Embiid post-ups are going to get a lot easier with the main unit. This also, actually, I'm sure no one in Billy would say this, and they're probably not even thinking it, but if you have Harris and Butler it would make it easier to trade Simmons for some other guys that would fit. Maybe that's the only other move that they would have with this group if they bring everyone back and it doesn't work. There is one other exactly one. they want to, yeah.
1: And that is if Jimmy Butler left... For whatever reason, if JJ Red, you would have to clear Reddick's cap hold as well. They would have just around enough money for a, a seven to nine max contract. Yeah. So because Tobias Harris's cap hold is lower than that number, theoretically, but I don't know who the hell that guy would be. I mean, no. you, you. If you're losing Jimmy Butler, I don't think like Kawhi Leonard is sitting there going, "Oh my god, I want to go! I want to go there." Maybe you could do something with like, let's say Kemba or something like that. You could get somebody in in the mix there. So you have a little bit of a little bit of risk mitigation there, but you're adding a lot of it. And I I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all, and the preliminary stuff, I mean, we're recording this pretty soon after the trade happened, that a lot of people who do not think about things the way that we do, and you know, I'm not saying that we're brilliant or anything like that, will talk about how this trade is such a big win for the Philadelphia 76ers. Because, hey, Tobias Harris is a really good basketball player, you got him. They gave up so much to give him the leverage for that contract and I don't, A, I don't think he's worth it. And B, why is it, why is he the answer to all, all of the stuff that held them? And why are they going at it now? Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are both in their, you know, their mid twenties. They don't have to be like this year, you know, Tobias Harris, you know, he's getting close to his prime. He's not going to age as well as these other guys, not a, not a great fit. And if you're going to throw all of your stuff into the, into the mix, couldn't they have done this for somebody else?
0: Yeah. that's just a question now who or maybe get a guy who is 85 percent of tobias harris and keep a lot of these assets to to try to improve in other ways i i think you you mentioned how young those guys are that's true but you know once they made the move for butler and because there is so much work that they needed to do in the rotation i did advocate them making a move and potentially a big move this is even bigger than i necessarily expected them in terms of what they've thrown in here but again you know I, i would like someone who you know is maybe better on defense than tobias harris and maybe a little bit worse on offense but can still shoot now would that have been say harrison barnes from dallas you know if he would have opted in for another year would he you know i think barnes Uh, it's probably a little better i think defensively than harris is Uh, certainly at guarding larger players you might say harris obviously is a much better shooter but you know i do think this the pick and roll ability that harris has shown he's not a great passer but uh, not a great guy getting to the rim or getting fouled either but he's a little bit too large a caliber for what they need in terms of offense and you know i could have used a little bit more of a three and d archetype type of guy who might have come a little bit cheaper now who is that not really sure right i mean we've talked about some of the guys that they could have traded for and we thought maybe what they might do is try to use some of those assets to get a guy who could play now but is still on a rookie contract or someone who's cheap i mean troy and prince probably maybe not good enough for them but also if they wanted to go this route are they that much better with tobias harris as opposed to a healthy nikola Mirotic this year Mirotic probably about the same as harris as a spot-up shooter harris a little more versatile defensively can do more off the dribble so we'll see, and. I still think they have a little bit more work to do at the back end of the rotation. Getting Bobon will help a little bit, but he's probably not going to play in the playoffs. So I think they still need a little bit of help at backup center, and they could use one more defensive guard on the perimeter. I would try and move McConnell too, just to, to try to get someone who fits a little bit better with Simmons, uh, of course, as well. But McConnell's role can probably be minimized. Now, I think that's another thing. Maybe you can play him less because you've got that ball handling from Harris. Yeah, you're going to, what are you going to say next?
1: I, I might have missed it, but I don't think you, he, they can't acquire him but Robert Covington would be a better fit for what the Sixers team needs. than Oh, Mike yeah. Harris.
0: No, totally. Yeah, I mean,
1: they, they can't acquire. Incidentally, him, but... Dario Sarge would, Sarge is, is a different kind of question. He's not the archetype like Covington is, but he is another guy that would be useful for this team. And it's so weird to see them throw their assets into two deals like this. And I mean, you could construct this in a lot of different ways where they would have ended up with the Sixers team that I would be happier with personally than the team that they have now, which is bizarre, but... I want to pivot to the Clippers. And one thing that this isn't the most important thing for them, but I want to make this addendum so that the podcast is complete and accurate. The picks, the second round picks that are going to Philadelphia, to to the Clippers in this, are not Philadelphia's own second round picks. They are Detroit's. Which are yeah. better to me than Philadelphia's picks? Like those are more desirable. Oh, yeah. So and they're unprotected and all that kind of stuff. Those are picks that that Philly got in.
0: I think it's June. the Kyrie June. Thomas trade. Yeah, the yeah.
1: Kyrie Thomas, the, the Kyrie Thomas trade, which we talk about in a, what will be a later part of this podcast. So that that's yeah. another another piece of this that is important to mention. And so that's a good transition. Unless you have more that you want to say on the
0: Sixers. Well, let, let's talk a little bit. I mean, if the Sixers make the NBA Finals this year and then they resign these guys, maybe this all becomes worth it maybe yeah sure uh, and also if they resign these guys and then you take ben simmons up to a max in the summer of 2020 you know that's going to be a very high payroll that's going to be a a tax team for sure i mean you're going to have i mean think about that that's four guys probably making over 30 million if ben simmons yeah i mean by that point even the 25 percent max will be close to 30 million he could even be end up being a designated player as well if he makes an all-nba team so that's gonna be an interesting negotiation so you're talking about 100 and over 120 million for four guys and that will only go up at eight percent per year basically and that is just a massive massive number so damn well better be a championship contender every year maybe they will be again though i just go back to with how much money they're spending and what it took to get him I still think there's just a, a better fit out there to me than uh, Tobias Harris, especially you know because he's having a career year, and I think he's he's just he's a little overqualified for what they need offensively and underqualified for what they need defensively to me at, at this point. um
1: And one other, yeah. I just want to reiterate this point: I am very concerned that the whole will be less than the sum of their parts because yes. they have all the. And, and that was true with the Simmons Butler Embiid situation. And while Tobias Harris makes elements of that easier, he also will not be able to. Use his full complement of talents and you know a guy like mcconnell can be yeah. you know, and, and maybe he'll right just now.
0: want to leave because of that too you know i mean what if what yeah. if things don't go well here and he's just like hey you know what like you just just had me stand the corner. now brett brown's system does involve a lot of moving the ball and but maybe now jimmy butler is gonna feel like i mean he butler and Pete already already felt like they weren't getting enough touches and so now this is probably going to exacerbate that so much of what they do is jj reddick running off a of screens a uh, As well, so is that? I mean, that's some of their most effective action. Is that going to be now reduced a little bit as well? Maybe it has to be, and he just has to spot up. Yeah,
1: something I am thinking about is I think Feldman looked this up a little while ago of guys that had the highest combined usage rates the prior year and then became teammates. I mean, because Tobias Harris twenty three five usage rate last year, adding him into all this mix, largely replacing you know guys like Wilson Chandler who who haven't had it as much. Like this is a team of guys that are very used to being a big part of their offense.
0: Yeah, and we'll see what else uh, Philly can come up with now. I mean, they don't have enough much more ammo to make a trade. I mean, they've still got second rounders. They have a million coming in here. But I thought because of the expense as well, it kind of made more sense to go after maybe not Torian Prince himself, but someone along those lines. And I mean, if you're willing to make this kind of an offer, would you rather have someone who's on a rookie contract who's good? And again, you know, off the top of my head here, we're just letting this sink in now of who that might have been other than Prince. I'm not entirely sure. But to have him be still an asset on his contracts as opposed to someone who's going to be pretty darn expensive going forward here in harris maybe that would have been better but we'll see i mean maybe this team just looks awesome i i am in agreement with you i'm not like oh man these guys are the favorites in the east right now but by any stretch because they got this guy i mean i think they're gonna be nasty on offense they still need a couple more pieces well what's so funny
1: about this is they're still high ceiling relatively low floor for how good for how good their talent level is like that that doesn't function it changes a little bit with this but it doesn't affect that part of it relative to the other teams in the east like there are going to be moments when this team looks like world beaters but can they do it for whole playoffs and remember how little overall experience this team has Tobias Harris does not give them a whole lot of playoff experience considering he has played a total of four playoff games in his NBA career
0: let's turn to the Clippers side of this now so good it's so good i i this is everything that we've been bitching about with your charlotte's and your detroit's and your washington's oh we gotta chase the eighth seed and no these guys actually have some fucking ambition and i love it like it is tobias harris on this max contract going forward even if you got Kawhi leonard that wasn't going to be a positive asset yeah he had the small cap hold at 22 million but still you're gonna have to give him a massive massive deal he's not that good i don't think he's that good and at the absolute highest level i mean this is he's being brought in for philly to be their fourth piece you can't pay your fourth piece 30 million dollars a season on a long-term deal like that just doesn't work and uh, and i think harris is kind of a third piece maybe on a really good team but not that versatile defensively and the clippers got bigger game to go after and now they've got some ammo with that 2021 miami pick they've got shamit they've got this other philly pick they've got shea maybe if they want to use him as well now you're starting to get into the conversation a little bit they still got gallo for some matching salary that maybe they could get into the ad sweepstakes maybe they could get into the sweepstakes for the next star that becomes available and they still didn't hurt their cap space at all you can argue they even helped it because they felt like they're going to get guys who are going to be better than tobias harris with that cap room and so his small cap hold wasn't really worth it as much for them this summer and this is just as we said in the open before we started talking about it team specifically it's just a great asset play and where were you really going this year you know seventh seed eighth seed at best probably more likely than not now that lebron is back to not make the playoffs you'd say spurs look pretty good certainly the clips get a lot worse this year but they're not like oh man you know we our fans will be so upset if we don't chase the eighth seed they just have ambition and i think this is they're also much more likely now to keep their own pick this year rather than conveying it to boston and i want to give a lot of credit to zach lowe and kevin arnovitz who talked about the possibility that harris could be traded the possibility that some in the organization might quietly whisper that they don't care about making the playoffs and apparently you know the only good of making the playoffs this year for this team was impressing some free agent making it look like they were good but then a bunch of those guys were leaving anyway in free agency this year so ultimately they realized and hope that it doesn't matter the optics of having gotten killed in the first round versus winning 38 games and not making the playoffs so they made this deal and they just look so much better both for trades and I think even for this offseason as well going forward uh, I just love everything about this for the Clippers I think it's totally visionary and really impressed with it
1: it might be unfair of me but my first thought when I saw this trade from the Clippers perspective was Jerry West is in their room and that's a very good thing for them because I couldn't imagine him being a voice saying why do we want to get knocked out in the first round you know like that that exactly that expectation and Tobias Harris you know he's a good player is he a great player is he a cornerstone for a team that has? has lofty aspirations. The Clippers can also make the sales pitch to free agents of you can play like we, we can put multiple guys together, you know, similar to what the Knicks are, Knicks are doing now. And you can do it in LA. There are certain players where that sales pitch might work better, including one Kawhi Leonard. So they have put themselves in a good spot. And I think Tobias Harris, as you said, he didn't, he doesn't move the needle enough for teams, a team with high aspirations and a team that might, you know, it might take a year or two for them to put this whole thing together, even though the 2020 free agent class isn't strong. That's something I wrote about for the athletic, but you know, maybe there, there are different ways they could do this. As you said, they could acquire somebody via trade anthony davis being the one i don't love their assets for an anthony davis trade just because i don't think they have that real centerpiece type guy and it certainly seems like that's something new orleans values and it's something they should value and they have a lot of these maybe, like maybe in, that's in, Shea.
0: maybe maybe it new is. Orleans is for, I mean, for they, me they it's not someone, but for them maybe it is yeah I, I agree i mean they wanted someone with all nba potential maybe if you squint hard that's Shea. i don't believe that's him but there are many who are yeah. much higher on him yeah than so than i am
1: they they can they can get into the conversation i I think they're lower in it, but they could, but they can be in the mix for somebody else. And if Shea gets a lot better, then then you can talk for the next guy, whoever that's going to be. And the opportunity cost is what I want to focus on here. And you brought it up, but I, I want to I want to nail this home. The Clippers lost so little in this trade. Tobias was a useful player. Boban, they couldn't really ever figure out how to use him. Mike Scott, useful piece, but not that important. Maybe it knocks them from a potential seven seed and getting knocked out in the first round. You know, maybe there was a chance of an upset or something like that to likely keeping their own pick, keeping their financial house in order and getting a ton of assets for very little trouble. Philly's pick could be useful. You know, it's probably going to be a late first Miami. We don't know what that's going to be, but they're clearing the Brooks for 2020, but there isn't really anybody worth doing it for, especially if AD never really hits the market. I can't really imagine him going to Miami without any other commensurate pieces. So that's a big challenge. And then they got Shamit. Shamit's a, a nice piece for where they might be going. I mean, I don't think that a, a starting guard combination of Shamit and Gildress Alexander is necessarily going to take you a long way, but those two guys can be a part of a rotation and you can add guys on top of and around that and all those sorts of things. So I love, love, love this trade for the Clippers. It's it's smart, it's proactive, and they just like we talked about with the Sixers, like there there is a chance that this blows up in their face, but they didn't give up a lot to make it happen, no. and so fine, you know, if that if that's what happens, you get you get a couple first round picks out of it. buy you're not going to be ruining the day that you gave up Tobias Harris. I don't, I you know, maybe there's a fringe chance he yeah. gets like third team All NBA at some point, but and maybe he has more success in Philadelphia than he would have with the Clippers. But he is not like this. It's not like trading James Harden right before he blew up or something like that. This is a very Different thing, and you got assets like you gave up somebody that good.
0: Yeah, and you know, as soon as Tobias Harris signed, if it's a five-year deal, re-signing with the Clippers, which again was not at all—I don't know if you even would look at that as likely that he would have re-signed. But if he, they paid him enough that he would have wanted to re-sign, then you're looking at his contract. You know, he's healthier than these guys, but kind of along the lines of like a Kevin Love or a Blake Griffin. I mean, I think Griffin and Love are both better than Harris. Harris might get a little bit less in money than those probably not less than love maybe less than griffin did and he's a little bit younger than those guys when they signed those contracts but he's not as good of a player of either of those guys at least hasn't been in his career maybe he's better than love at this point we'll see where where love is at but so we'd be talking about him as this bad you know tough trade uh, difficult to trade contract and instead they got just all these assets for him. i mean they got more for him than they got in the blake griffin trade at the time you know that they ended up getting harris who you know blew up but but you know i think in terms of what people thought of harris at the time and and thought you know there's just one lottery pick and harris was essentially the trade avery bradley too but you know he was going to be a free agent it wasn't playing well at the time so he almost got more for harris than they did for griffin and so i mean that's just a great asset play to first trade blake and then turn around what you got for blake and trade him for this it was really good and now the question becomes how far are they willing to go on this would they be willing to move on from lou williams to get even more picks uh, Lou certainly you would think could get a first rounder for him. He's eight million this year, eight million next year, and then a non guaranteed. All but one point five million of it non guaranteed for twenty twenty one. And then Gallo is another one, too, With they might want to strike while the iron is hot on him. You know, would a team like the Jazz, who's perpetually looking for a stretch option at the four, be willing to give something up, give up a first rounder to get him at 21 million this year, 22 next year? And then they really have stripped it down. Then they've got the double max space, just the same as the Knicks two, and they've got a ton of assets going forward, just like the Knicks two as well. But they've got more young players in the hopper than the Knicks two and They're in L.A. and they're not run by a crazy person. Very, very interesting here going forward. The one downside here is that, you know, Jerome Robinson and Landry Shamit are very, very similar players. So it'll be interesting to see who's able to come forward here as more playing time opens up in that. But I
1: I think having two bites at the apple there is a good thing. Yeah, you're probably right. One of them probably is going to wash out. That's often what happens with you know guys that have more of one tool than a lot of other things. And something else I want to bring up, not only as a mechanism for plugging the piece I wrote for the Athletic about the Celtics and Danny Ainge's pragmatism, which is is there, and I basically it was about the human element and how Anthony Davis is perceiving what the Celtics are doing. I think that it, they're not a huge loser in this, but they are one for for the reason that it makes another Eastern Conference team stronger and it makes it less likely that the clippers pick is as valuable an asset now if you're trading that let's say in an anthony davis deal it's not if you're because presumably those negotiations will happen before the draft even though it can't be consummated until july now you have to sell that as like a future thing of hey let's see how the clippers are it's i think it's a less tangible less valuable asset for them especially if the clippers end up doing well this offseason which they won't know then and and we won't know for a while so the rest of the east is probably a little shaky now they're going to want to see where it works out but because boston has this ansel connection with with the deal due to the clippers i think it matters a little more for them
0: one of the greatest commodities here, i think we can close on this is just actually having a realist who people listen to in the front office the hawks found one in travis schlenk who aside from a couple of missteps they look like they're on a pretty good path yeah they traded away Doncic, who knows how good that's going to be but they rebuilt they didn't try to continue to chase after the ghosts of paul Millsap and al horford who left the year before and what mike Budenholzer wanted them to To as the coach president sam hinke was a realist in philadelphia and you know he has now gotten the seeds that he planted has gotten them back into contention jerry west and this clippers front office a realist about blake griffin they didn't cave in to sentiment they re-signed him they did what they needed to do for the organization then they made this trade as well i think that's setting them up extremely well danny Ainge, a realist that kevin garnett paul pierce we're going to get it done as far as championship contention anymore probably we're going to leave in free agency anyway in the future so he moved them to brooklyn and got an amazing haul and jump-started their rebuild when you're actually willing to be realistic about where you are as a franchise as opposed to no we can't do that in our market or it's so difficult to rebuild here and you're actually honest with yourself about where you're going and that this is a league that's about winning at the highest levels and that piddling around in the eighth seed in the eastern Conference is useless. And that's just a recipe for not mattering in this league. And that when you chase after the eighth seed, a lot of times you don't even get there. And then the inevitable rebuild that you have to do just gets postponed for a few years and becomes even more unpalatable than if you had actually steered into the skid by making the moves you needed to. It's just such an advantage to have ownership who's willing to sign off on that and executives who aren't worried about their jobs and are willing to be pragmatic about where the team actually is.
1: I want to add in one more team because they're relevant. To- of this conversation and it's maybe even a, a a more prime example and that's the toronto raptors big time they had the best season in franchise history last year Masai Ujiri realized that there was an opportunity, that there was a team that was overvaluing what they had, that sentimentality was going to lead to some people being very unhappy with the deal. Last year was the best year in Raptors history. This is the best team in Raptors history. I don't care if they end up with a better record, not maybe they end up not winning the East, whatever, however that goes. The decision that Masai Ujiri made was a very tough one to make, and it was very important. And you can, I don't even think we need to go through the laundry list. A lot of them will be in the rest of this podcast that people can hear. Some of the teams would criticize that impatience or fe- worries about job security or a bad owner have led them down a path where it's really hard to make substantial improvements. And you, I've, I wish i have written more about this, and I wrote a lot about it at the time, was that the major markets had a gigantic advantage in the last CBA that they completely frittered away by almost all of them being terribly run franchises. And now, partially because they were so bad then that they were able to get the right people in, a, in power, those teams are now much greater forces I mean the Lakers got LeBron James they're at I mean I have my misgivings with what they've done but they they're under capable stewardship Clippers they're there the Knicks I mean I'm not sure yet but I mean it's it's better than it was under phil jackson at least and then the nets are you know marks is another success story especially compared to his predecessor and this this cba is not as favorable to those teams because now extensions are more possible but the league should be a little bit scared of this because if those teams are well run the nba is is structured in a way to benefit those teams because of the way contracts are and the way free agency works all
0: right Uh, that's what we needed was long soliloquies from both of us here to add to this we're recording all this in reverse order we got a whole other segment coming up here on the Bullock trade news and then we're going to do a mock all-star draft as well so much more to get to and you'll hear what was going to be our intro (laughs) coming up in just a second all right the trade deadline is heating up but we got some big rumors to address we have a trade to announce as well and then we got to talk about the all-star draft which is going to happen on thursday night so we want to get on top of that this year nate first danny in the all-star draft see who can pick the better team but why don't we just roll through here with some news and we can fold uh, some of the injury stuff in with the trades and trade rumors let's start though with the trade that actually in fact did happen tonight
1: there was one that was rumored that did not happen we'll talk about that later but the one that was actually consummate reportedly tonight is with the Lakers and the Pistons. The Lakers are trading Svee Mikhailuk and their 2021 second round pick they had previously traded their 2019 to the Detroit Pistons for guard Reggie Bullock. And this was a shocking trade for me for a very basic reason. And that is Bullock is the best, has been the best wing for the Pistons this year. The Pistons are, I believe, technically a game and a half out of the playoff picture. 538's projections actually have them as the seven seed. And while Svi could end up being a better player, you know, he's under contract, more team control, all that kind of stuff. You don't usually see a team. Where the Pistons are make this kind of a trade.
0: Well, where the Pistons are is going to be a 38-44 and 44 team. I, I actually think this portends a bit of sanity although it's not like the pistons have really much else to sell at the moment in terms of expiring contracts i mean stanley johnson falls in that category but i don't think he has much if any value so i do agree i was pretty shocked that bullock was moved because of the fact that you i mean maybe this is just the front office saying we're just gonna give luke Kennard the shot at playing more on the wing we're gonna let give stanley johnson a shot at playing more on the wing not that he hasn't received plenty of chances in his career to be sure but i'm also actually a little surprised at the price here so what what is the the pick is 2021 for the lakers that's right
1: correct so it was originally reported that it was a second and we knew it wasn't 2019 because that pick is already owed so there was this little conversation dan feldman mentioned this on twitter of you know what year would you want the lakers pick and When I was going through it, I mean, because you also like one easy thing would be as far out because LeBron James, you know, he's 33 right now. And so you'd rather go as far out as you can and 34 by the way 34 oh that's right yeah he's yeah. 34 i know what year it is and there's the other reality that you also want you know if you're GM you want it to convey a little sooner if you can so when i was thinking about this i thought 2021 was the last year that i would want because lebron will still be under contract he'll still you know he's not going to be peak of his powers obviously but he'll still be competitive and even if this offseason ends up being a wash for the lakers they'll get somebody by then but it's not like other than 2019 this year when they're on the fringes of playoff contention any year is going to be great in that feature. i just would have gone further out that it sounds like the pistons did
0: yeah well and also the double draft would have been an interesting one which is looking like it's gonna be 2022 second rounders could be more valuable then but who knows where the lakers will be at that point i mean if i had to handicap about where they'll be you know you'd say maybe low 20s as a guess i mean it could be a lot lower than that if they don't get ad and lebron just isn't any good anymore or maybe even leaves uh, isn't any good relative to where he is now of course Or they could just, you know, be in the midst of a really nice run. So I'd say the average would be low 20s, but it's probably more likely to be either, you know, 15 or like high 20s. And then Svee Mikaliuk has looked better than his draft slot in the late 40s would have indicated so far pistons uh, apparently like him he is a very similar player to luke Kennard, maybe a better spot-up shooter at this point in time but Kennard a, a better playmaker who's better on defense probably neither of them <laughs> frankly uh neither of them have a, a ton of athleticism maybe as S V. but it, it gives the pistons another shot at someone who can shoot the ball a little bit
1: well something else that kevin pelton brought up in his piece was that the pistons had two opportunities in the early second round to draft v and they did yeah you know they, they took Kyrie thomas they took bruce brown I I believe they gave up multiple seconds for one of those two gentlemen, and so
0: they. Yeah, you know, it was Kyrie, Kyrie Thomas. Kyrie
1: yeah. Thomas. So they made a choice, and you, granted, they can revise that and say, "Hey, Svi looked good in preseason, summer league as the, as a member of the South Bay Lakers." You know, there are lots of different data points, and and he played. You know, he played some for the LA Lakers. He,
0: he did have like a forty-seven point game this year in the G League.
1: True. Yeah, and and Svi is under team control for a lot longer, so next year he's fully non-guaranteed and then the year after is a team option that is also non-guaranteed which is something that I really like when teams have that structure and the reason you want a team option and non-guaranteed for that third year is because then theoretically this is the Nikola Jokic type of thing you could theoretically decline that team option and make him a restricted free agent should there be a tactical reason to do so generally speaking there isn't for you know it would be they would be arenas limited maybe there would be something there but probably not but anyway a lot of more team control restricted free agency at the end of it should he be good enough to make it all the way to the end and Bullock he is unrestricted after this year so that is a negative but the fortunate thing for LA if this goes well he is I believe he has full bird rights and has a low cap hold so there are scenarios where the Lakers could bring him back if this year goes well and that's a nice thing for them I mean the optionality of you can let him go with no consequence but it might be feasible to bring him back is useful
0: yeah and Bullock Seems to fit a lot better on a Lakers team that is moving on from some of those guys that they have already, whether that's KCP, Josh Hart. Arguably he's the third best guy out of that group. Really just depends who's gonna hit their threes a little bit better. I'd say he's probably the worst defender and maybe the best shooter uh, out of that group. But again, you know that those three point percentages can be variable for all three of those guys. But yeah, I like the low capital, the four point seven five million. Although the Lakers, as of now, with no additional changes. Have thirty-seven million in cap space coming up. That's without his cap hold. So if they could move on from some from salary like Ball Ingram, you know they can open up that full max spot and probably have enough to keep Bullock's cap hold as well. And I would expect in free agency that you get more than that. But I have to say this is maybe a little bit smaller of a price than I would have thought for someone like him. I guess he's an expiring contract, but the low cap hold makes him a little bit more appealing. There, does this seem about right to you? You know, two second rounders, one of them, you know, one of who was just drafted the other one probably going to be you know later on both of these picks are past 45's fee was late or later on in the second and you, know, you have to imagine the lakers will at least be a playoff team you would think by that uh the point this pick conveys so maybe it a seems- little less
1: yeah, it seems a little light to me because, I mean, it, it, but Svi, you know, maybe they see something more in him than we've had the opportunity to experience a guy that you, in particular, because you got to see him more than I did before college, like that he really did chosen flashes then, of course, that is a long time ago. Now, yeah. at this point, one of the other elements of this trade for Detroit that I don't know if it's going to matter, we're just going to have to see, is that it does clear more wiggle room under the luxury tax. They now have about $1.5 million. Now they could sign somebody, you know, they they could use that spot. They could also clear Henry Ellinson, you know, there are a few a few other things they could do, but whether they actually do anything like that or not is is an open question.
0: So the comparable trade is one that happened a couple of days ago, Rodney Hood, two second rounders from the Blazers. Pretty similar value, you would have to say, to what this was for Bullock. I view Bullock as the superior player, less of an injury history, although they both have pretty extensive ones. And, you know, just a a more versatile player, better defender, probably a better three-point shooter than Hood. You know, just not the score, the ball in his hands that Hood is, but Hood has never been efficient in that regard, and it's a big problem on defense. So I I like Bullock better than Hood. And then Bullock also comes with the bird rights that Rodney Hood does not because he was on that qualifying offer. He had to waive his bird rights uh, when he agreed to the trade all right we got much more to get to here we're talking about the fit of Roddy hood in portland eh, it's only okay Ridgie bullock hey eh, you know there's some other guys who do the same thing but you're not going to worry about the fit with indochino indochino makes suits and shirts that fit your exact measurements for unparalleled comfort they are the world's most exciting made to measure menswear company the way it works with them you can either visit one of their showrooms and they are have been expanding pretty regularly they got them in a lot of nba cities now To have your measurements taken or you can measure yourself at home they have a tutorial to do that at indochino.com and at that website indochino.com you can choose your fabric the colors any design customizations the lapel lining pockets buttons monogram hit submit and relax where your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple of weeks that's really not any longer than it would take for them to just tailor your suit at the department store anyway indochino took care of me and my groomsmen at my wedding all of our stuff fit great and if it doesn't fit great they will retailer it for you. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $359 at Indochino.com. When you enter that cap space code at checkout, 50% off the regular price for a made to measure premium suit. Shipping is free. Go to Indochino.com, enter that promo code cap space for just $359 and free shipping. And don't forget, of course, that cap space code. Easy to remember because we've been talking about it quite a bit here at trade deadline season. Don't forget that cap space code to let them know that you came from us. Okay, let's get into some of the rumors here. Most prominent Marc Gasol was shut down for tonight's win over the Timberwolves at home. The number 33 nameplate above his locker had been removed. There was a half-empty trash bag with his belongings in them prior to the game. He actually left the arena at halftime. Discussions were that he would be on the move to Charlotte as he was in the mock trade deadline. But that deal, as of... This recording at 10.33 Pacific Time has not yet been consummated. You'll recall, of course, in the mock-off season, the construction was Justin Holiday in a separate trade into the trade exception and Gasol for Charlotte's top four protected first-rounder this year and the ugly salaries of Bismack Biombo and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist for next year. So the first-rounder just for Gasol wasn't available. They also had to take on bad salary for next year if there is going to be this deal the only significant expiring contract that charlotte has is the seven million of jeremy lamb and they need him for this spectacular playoff push that apparently is going to result from getting marcus all and that means that really for this deal to work even salary wise they've got to send back a non-expiring contract and you know that's probably going to be bad salary and that's what you know this is going to be could uh, a pick that's got some upside in theory top four protected charlotte could miss the playoffs and missing the playoffs in the east you know that could be the number nine pick or something like that so that's uh that would be a pretty good deal uh, for this and and i think a a fair one that's why we agreed to it in the my trade deadline and then of course gasol's future very interesting you can't imagine he's too jazzed about Charlotte necessarily, but you know he may not have anyone else out there who's willing to offer him 25 million for next year. So I think you know it's probably a 50 50 proposition here, and he would be limited in his extension options. But he could extend for up to two years after this one. That's something they might look into um if they want to bring back Kemba Walker. But they still could also have some luxury tax concerns and would we'll be counting on him opting out if they do bring back Kemba. So lots of moving parts there. We'll see if this deal actually happens and what the parameters are. Uh, anything to add? on this one
1: it was also strange to me in the mock deadline just the fit on the basketball court with Charlotte, a team that plays, that has played traditional centers. I mean, they, they went in some directions when Cody Zeller was out, but they still were largely playing Piombo and Hernan Gomez. So that part of it makes sense. But Charlotte not having functionally any expiring salary makes this a harder thing. Now I am a believer that Memphis should be willing to take on money for next year, especially if you get a better asset back. It's not like they're going to be doing much over the summer of 2019 anyway. So I would support that. I just wasn't sure if Robert Para and their front office were going to go in that direction. And we'll see what happens. It, it certainly does appear from the multiple tea leaves that are out there that Marcus will be on the move, but it's possible it's, it's not to them. You never, like, when the, the early reporting was out on Tuesday, my first thought was, this is Memphis saying, we're definitely moving this guy, get your offers in because we need them now, and... That might still be where this is i don't really know that we can or should read more into it but either way i mean that's a significant move and i like that you talked about this decision on his player option though i could also see marcus being someone given the career that he's had who has made plenty of money who could say I'll take less money to be somewhere that can use me or that I'm happy or that can compete, whatever whatever his definition of what he wants in his next place. I could see him leaving money on the table. And in that sort of a circumstance, then Charlotte does not get the benefit of Marcus next year in all likelihood. But they do, theoretically, under the structures that we've discussed, they get out of a lot of money for next year. So whether Kemba stays or goes makes their books a lot cleaner.
0: All right, there's more trade stuff to get to, but I think we have to get to the really sad news out of Washington. John Wall will undergo surgery to compare a now to repair a now ruptured left Achilles tendon and he developed an an infection from the initial surgery that he had which was a, a repair of this deformity in his left heel that was causing Achilles tendon soreness and he slipped and fell in his home the rupture was found during a procedure to clean out the infection and so he's going to miss 12 months I mean that's basically all of next year he's gonna be out I mean this is a torn Achilles tendon and you know that's disastrous for someone with his type of physical profile and who's as reliant on speed as he is I also would like to push back on those who like thought that first reaction to this was oh he didn't really fall in his home like there was some other story here number one I don't know what it is about John Wall that really makes him get a lot of this negative attention I mean even going back to like that ridiculous thing with Count Count early in his career where he was like viewed as a bad guy because he was dancing before games which was just preposterous and yeah you know what maybe he likes to go out maybe he's kind of volatile and a little bit impressed with his own abilities although not so impressed that he didn't sign the supermax michael lee reminded us that wall told him when he was asked why he didn't wait to sign the supermax a year from now when he could have added 50 million he told michael lee i only made all nba this year it's not guaranteed you never know what can happen i didn't want to chance it so obviously he made a great business decision to take that supermax it doesn't even kick in until next year at 38 million but for those whose first reaction was oh something untoward happened and, and this is a bullshit story about him falling like have you ever had a severe surgery on your lower body like you're wearing a boot when you're out and around Fred Katz reported that he was wearing a boot and he was on one of those scooters that you kneel on to get around the arena yesterday and seemed to be in decent spirits and then He also had this infection. So it's not like he's able to just like, you know, go bowling like Andrew Bynum or he was like out in the club, like dancing or something like that. Like when you're most vulnerable in these situations is when you're at home, you have to take off all this equipment, your brace or your boot or whatever to get in the shower. And you've only got one leg at that point. You're not used to moving around that way. It's actually very possible to fall and injure yourself. That kind of thing happens all the time. And for those who are skeptical, well, what what else do you think happens besides that? Like the guy can't even walk. It just was really odd to me that so many people had that reaction
1: that made me uncomfortable as well especially considering there isn't really a good reason for it you know if somebody yeah. if somebody has Intel then you could talk about that yeah. then but it's just not fair your brain. to whisper it use it your doesn't brain. make he sense. can't
0: even walk what, what do you think he was doing like all right if something came out and there was some kind of a report okay but I mean this isn't like you know Monte Ellis, Riding the the moped, and especially like, what do you think he was doing that's going to avoid his contract as well? Like, there's Exhibit Five that lists prohibited activities, which are generally sort of like extreme sports type of stuff, you know, skiing and snowboarding, and you know, playing tackle football and stuff like that. Like, those are the things that are usually ruled out. Like, just walking around or something after a surgery, <laughs> it's not it's not going to avoid your contract if you fall and tear your Achilles. I'm sorry.
1: So, I want to pivot a little bit to how this affects the Wizards moving forward. The the timeline that is out there now is is 12 months that was what shams had that was the first thing i saw but i've heard 11 to 15 and that means functionally we should assume that john wall will not play for the wizards next year maybe in a limited format he could play at the very end of the year kind of i mean it's not the same injury but like what paul george did at the year after he had he broke his leg for Team USA, where he was back for another couple games, but it wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't back. He just played for a few of them. And while, as you said, he is about to begin the f- gigantic four-year extension that the Supermax and Washington, they also can't get a i believe they cannot get a disabled player exception for him
0: even if yeah he, he would have to have been ruled as out until the following june 15th
1: right oh yeah that's right that's the line so yeah and as of right now at least that that doesn't seem likely maybe he can get reassessed at some point and they can get that but remember that doesn't give you latitude relative to the luxury tax it's just another way that you can add salary and they would only get the the equivalent of the mid-level you don't get half of half of the player's salary for the whole thing i mean it's not that big an exception but It could theoretically be useful. The Wizards now depending on what mentality. And this is why the Ted Leonsis comments about we don't tank are actually very instructive because in other, you know, if you had different approaches, you could see it that that being the impetus for maybe moving Otto Porter, saying, hey, we're not going to be competitive next year, maybe a little bit more zealous about doing something with Yamahimi to get out of the tax. But with that, I mean, now you have to start to think about, well, if they're going to be competitive, they're going to need Tomas Sadaransky. and Sadaransky pending restricted free he has a, a modest cap hold, but he is also still for the rest of this year extension
0: eligible yeah and he could get up to the four-year 47 million dollars potentially that could keep him out of free agency I, I think though if I were the Wizards unless he just wanted to cut me a great deal I would just hold on and play the restricted free agent game with them I and mean, to me you know Leonza said before this news came down that they are not trading any of these players namely wall beal or porter and yeah i mean the Wiz are still kind of uh, in the playoff race this year they're going to get completely steamrolled in the first round if they do make it and then next year i mean you're really going in you're drawing dead for next year as well like maybe again you might have the upside of barely getting the eighth seed but they're already projecting to be a tax team for next year without even having a full roster when you consider their draft pick and potential sadaransky salary uh i think dwight howard might opt in too at 5.6 million And they still have to fill out the rest of the roster. I mean, Trevor Ariza, Markeith Morris, those guys are free agents. I mean, really, it seems so obvious to me at this point that they should be tearing down, that they should try to tank this year, get a good draft pick. Next year, probably tank again. You know, not really that good. Maybe even think about trading Bradley Beal at this point because his value... For next year is pretty limited when you know you're you're not gonna have really, I think, a successful season no matter what you do next year. He has already told people that he wants out of Washington when his contract ends. So then you're basically looking at one year of him. Like he's gonna be asking out, he's gonna be the subject of trade speculation all next year because they're not gonna be good next year. Now it's just impossible to do that with forty million in dead money on your cap and a lot of contributors that they're probably not gonna be able to afford to re sign. And they're not I mean,
1: well, along those lines, why the hell are they? keeping Trevor Ariza.
0: Right. Ariza, Marquise Morris, like I mean, even Saturansky, you might think about potentially moving if you can get value. Well, Kim's
1: a little different, just Saturansky is restricted. So I think you can, you can trust that. And Thomas Bryant, same thing, you know, like those two guys, maybe you bet on that process a little bit more, but Ariza Markeef, Morris, like, what are you waiting for?
0: Yeah. They can open up a little more room next year by stretching out Mahimi. You think that would probably happen. But again, with next year being a lost year, really probably makes more sense to just eat that all next year instead of stretching him and putting 5 million on your cap the two years after that, When again you're going to be up against it in terms of the tax i mean they just have to accept reality this year yeah i guess you might make the playoffs but you also you know have enough flexibility in this eastern conference to get a pretty good draft pick you could get another pretty good draft pick again i mean i think like this era is just over now it is like there's this era of you know being a dangerous sixth seed or a fourth seed or something like that you know at times with this group like john wall is not gonna be the same player you're not even gonna get him back until the 2020-21 season there's done they just have to accept it i mean if if they weren't done now you could at least sort of make them think okay hey we add the right pieces around john comes back he's gonna be better next year and we can get back to those dizzying heights of 2017 potentially with this group no, it's not going to happen anymore.
1: I was encouraged after the you know the first surgery, the theory of the Haglins deformity, and that maybe it was causing some of the problems that were making John Wall just not look like himself consistently physically and i was I was hopeful that maybe we would see at least a higher proportion of the time we would see that. There are some positive. Achilles rupture stories that are going on Rudy Gay I mean I think he's looking more like himself than I ever expected now I believe it's two years out from the injury that's fantastic DeMarcus Cousins is making a recovery he's not all the way back yet but he's looking better and I mean obviously those he and John Wall have a close connection due to their time at Kentucky John Wall relies on his athleticism substantially more. And you and I were concerned about how his game would age. Yes, he's a talented passer, but with his lack of a jump shot, athleticism has always been an important part in creating the separation that is necessary to get the attention to make those passes. And That means that an Achilles rupture means more to his game than it does to the other two. And that is deeply concerning. So not only for me, am I concerned about, oh, yeah, John Wall's basically not playing next year, but it's will we even see the John Wall we saw this year again? And I am not remotely sure of that.
0: And it's really a shame that I think John Wall now is probably going to be more famous in NBA history for just the cautionary tale about the designated player extension and one of the worst contracts in NBA history that, you know, is looking that way before he even kicked in. But he really was robbed of his prime. You know, I mean, really, his last year where he was himself was maybe 2017. You know, he was a 25-year-old, I think, at that point. You know, I mean, it was really after 25. It, we're going to look back and he's pretty much done, potentially. Uh, you know, maybe he'll make some miracle comeback. I I don't necessarily see that as likely. Let's move on here. Interesting reporting from Joe Varden that Cleveland and the Rockets are engaged In a deal or talks on a deal that would bring Brandon Knight and the Rockets first round pick to Cleveland in exchange for Alec Burks. That is a different conception than the one that has been talked about so often, where it's a Kent Baysmore for next year and the first round pick with Knight going out because Burks actually expires after this year and would also save the Rockets about $5 million or so in salary. I think it works. I I haven't checked it, but the Rockets might have to throw or. Cleveland might have to throw in a little bit more. Actually, like a David Nawapa from Cleveland might actually help the Rockets. He can't shoot at all, but he is, you know, a pretty scrappy defensive player. But that would be a huge savings for the Rockets next year also might enable them to really get into the market with that nearly full taxpayer mid-level and, and put them in commanding position of the bout market now the difference in some of the construction we've been talking about is that Burks isn't really going to help them you know I, I don't think that's going to happen that he's could do some stuff off the dribble as an okay spot-up shooter not really a good defensive player so I, I don't foresee him being a major part of what they're doing this year as they get into the playoffs you know I, I think it's been clear that he's he's just not maybe he could have got there but after those many injuries that he had his career is just kind of more of a bit player when you desperately need someone to create than you know someone who can really be a part of a playoff rotation to me but it would be major major savings for the Rockets both this year and next year so you can understand maybe why it would happen but to trade that first rounder when you're not upgrading on the floor at all this year that to me is a disappointment and this would be another cost-cutting move for the Tillman for Rockets if it were to go through I have a feeling though since it got out this way that it, it, it may not happen I, I wonder I mean Joe is in Cleveland so you imagine it probably came from the Cleveland side but and I think that would be a, a good value you know the Rockets pick is probably to be in the low 20s this year that'd be good value for Cleveland uh, to, to get another first round pick I, I am impressed with how aggressive they have been taking on bad money to try and get picks I, I laud dan gilbert for actually being realistic unlike some other owners uh, about where his team was he, he could easily have done the oh well kevin love was injured we could get right back into it next year uh, no
1: that honesty is very very important and while we're talking about kevin love he has been through some five on five scrimmages he did not play in their loss to the boston celtics on tuesday so we'll kind of keep an eye on kevin love it's one of the things to track for the remainder of this cleveland season I also want to mention, going back to the Wizards briefly, that Marquise Morris is helpful that he can play... I think he said like oh he could he could come back by he cleared for contact sorry that's why i was unsure of the verbiage cleared for contact by the all-star break we'll see when he can return presumably that will be as part of the wizards even though as you said i would i would consider moving him elsewhere we might as well do the anthony davis so uh jason concepcion put out a thing of what to call this and his favorite response which was also my own was somebody calling it the Brouxit, which i really like <laughs> So that's what I'm going to use. I don't know. Nate can use whatever he wants. The show bears his name. But the news from today is a couple of things. So on one front, the on court front, Anthony Davis has been cleared and it sounds like he wanted to play in their loss to the Indiana Pacers. He did not. That it might be a bit of posturing, but it's also, you know, if the idea that he can maybe put a little bit of heat on the New Orleans Pelicans from that from that angle. But then there's also the reporting that the lakers are not interested in playing ball they buy by and by that what i mean is they think what the pelicans want from them is ridiculous you know that they're bidding against themselves and, and you know all these first round picks and all this kind of stuff and
0: well here let, let's be a little more specific there sure. so the reported offer was basically all the lakers young guys plus two first rounders and then supposedly it came out that no they actually want just the ridiculous offer for first rounders four second rounders and they're just not going to engage in the Lakers aside from that and that really is a little bit too much and
1: there is a parallel there to the reporting and we don't know if this is true that San Antonio said in the Kawhi trade with Philly that they would only discuss the trade with if it involved Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid which is basically saying we're not engaging with you you know that's kind of the idea and from LA's perspective I really liked Sam Amick wrote a nice piece for The Athletic talking about the it was he framed it in a cool way with magic and age and you know the history of those two guys as players but what he was really getting at is how anthony davis represents the last really good shot for how these teams have conceived of their rosters and the time pressures that they're under and so he was connecting lebron you know the the twilight of his prime or his at least prime adjacent time and kyrie irving's situation and that is perilous to me for the lakers because yes there it might be that there isn't a, a reasonable ground with new orleans and i mean i've talked that i'm not a huge fan of the guys they have this was a part of our show yesterday was me talking about how there really isn't i mean other than if we get into this ridiculous land of like three plus first round picks and some swap rights or something there isn't necessarily a lakers offer that i love but if it's not anthony davis then who and that's a real big problem for magic and play good answer
0: yeah it is kp wrote a piece saying hey even with this if it's only two first round picks the opportunity cost is pretty high either they might not even make the playoffs this year if they're so thin although it would depend who's on the buyout market after they traded all those guys and that they really wouldn't have a way to build around lebron and ad not that lebron and the rest of these dudes has looked that great so far and with all these rumors i mean it's clearly to me it's coming from a lot of it is coming from the lakers sides of what their offers have been i don't know that that's a great idea to get that out there they've pushing back because i think they want their fan base to know that they're trying and you know broderick turner that's supposedly magic sky according to nate jones and i think that was the one who said that i apologize if that's wrong but the la times has been all about this you know usually (laughs) i'm guessing they're probably not getting their sourcing from the Pelicans. At the LA Times, and so this idea that they traded, every, they've offered every single one of the young guys, and that that's not enough. Well, hey, big surprise! You had this altercation in the locker room after they lost the Warriors, and they just got bludgeoned in the worst loss of LeBron's career. LeBron had to miss that game against the Warriors. Windhorse was talking about that in his pod yesterday. That it wasn't necessarily load management; it was more, you know, he he had to sit out. He had some soreness, as opposed to just precautionary after playing forty minutes in that first game back against the Clippers after he'd been listening it is doubtful for that game you know again maybe it was lebron wanted to come back but a good team is going to tell him no actually you can't if you're not ready yet and so maybe and he didn't look good obviously today as they lost by over 40 points to the victor oladipo less pacers so i mean maybe just because of what's been going on here and this idea that everyone's going to get traded you know do i want to play hard to leave la where everyone wants to be so Just to like make LeBron feel better. And there's that image that a lot of people captured of LeBron sitting on the bench with three seats open next to him as they're getting blown out in the fourth quarter. And, you know, clearly LeBron is behind these machinations, Rich Paul, I mean, what, what are you thinking if you're one of these Lakers young guys other than just like this guy doesn't want me here? Like, fuck him. That's what I would be thinking. So that doesn't lead too well to and this organization doesn't want me here and you know i'm trying to get paid and build my career i don't want to go play in new orleans without anthony davis yeah i wouldn't wouldn't be too happy and then uh, hilariously probably the way that you get to stay is you play worse (laughs) that's uh uh so i i mean with with all that it's not a recipe for success if they don't get this trade done which it appears they are not going to surely there'll be some sort of a re-engagement you would think I still think that there's a chance maybe for another team to come in, try to grab AD for this year. And then if it doesn't work out, it looks like he's not going to say you could always flip him again in the summertime. In theory, those same offers from the Lakers or Boston would be there in the summertime. So maybe you try to break in with with a big offer. There's a lot of obstacles to that. Anyway, that's probably enough on on AD unless you have anything to add.
1: Well, the only other thing we should add is that he did come out with that list of the teams that are acceptable to him. And yeah. bucks here and clippers here oh yeah we talked about that a little bit on the 15 and 60 because the clippers were one of those teams here it would be so much fun to see him on the bucks just intellectually it's not going to happen but it made me happy so wanted to mention it we can move to the philadelphia 76ers a team that we talked about covered for the nba cast on tuesday night they lost to the toronto raptors and part of the reason they lost was that they were missing two of their starters wilson chandler is out two to three weeks with a quad strain that is a problem considering how limited their depth is and then JJ Redick was a late scratch due to nausea and I thought they they fought gamely you know went down early in that game but then brought themselves back joel and was a monster in the second half and ben simmons had some moments as well but it just wasn't enough
0: yeah and this team i mean they need three rotation players whether that's through the buyout market or trade if they're serious about competing winning in the second round they need three rotation players you can't start mike muscala at the four if chandler goes down i mean i think you know there's probably a 30 percent chance that chandler just isn't going to be healthy for the playoffs you know i mean he's they've missed a lot of time. Time this year, he, he with all the hip injuries he's had, hamstring. Now it's this quad strain. To play him starter level of minutes doesn't seem like a recipe for a success. Shamit, you know, I think you can give him ten minutes in the playoffs, but I mean they just they got to get some more wings. They probably need a stretch four option as well to replace Chandler. I mean they need two starters. I think you know to or maybe maybe one starter because Reddick's obviously is there too, and then you know a really good bench piece. You know probably a four and and a three, and those guys are hard to come by. They're gonna have to throw some assets into this fire in Orlando I think this is actually significant Mo Bamba we don't know how long he's be out but stress fracture in his lower left leg he's a really tall guy but uh, you know not quite as large as some. he's got a little bit thinner build than some of these guys that have had issue but no expectation he'll need surgery but Woj saying he will miss significant time that to me you know very easily could be the rest of the season so it's going to be Kem Birch, I guess getting the backup center minutes Birch might actually be more valuable than Bamba at this this point in time at least if you're talking about their on-court impact this year but still not great to have their depth reduced at, at that point um if there were to be a Vucevic trade would seem very unlikely to me now you don't even get the benefit of getting to play Bamba and see what you have with him if you move Vooch the rest of the year and even as we go into the offseason this is huge too uh, Bamba has had a I think a disappointing rookie year would be fair to say and orlando can't feel comfortable going with him into next year as their starting center unless he comes back and maybe has a dominant summer league or something like that but you know by the time summer league comes around they've already have had to make their free agent signings so this to me kind of pushes it more towards vooch potentially getting re-signed here if they don't there's now no possibility that bomba could show enough to where they're so excited that they let vooch go
1: it does look like it's going in that direction and i don't know what the offers will be are for vooch but you know in certain ways that's disappointing just because I mean, the guy's an all-star and he is basically putting them deeper onto the treadmill of mediocrity. Now, maybe they're still bad enough where they can get a decent draft pick, especially with lottery reform. We'll have to see. But we know the center market is going to be tepid. And especially to me, if Orlando strikes early with Fuchs, you know, like the idea of maybe they're more scared of other teams than they should be. Give him something too big and then limited flexibility. They're still paying Fournier. Presumably, unless they stretch him, they're still paying Mozgov for next year. So they have a lot on their books. But we can also talk about another European center. Valanchunas is on his way back. He, w- The Raptors are hoping that he will play on this trip. He did not play in their win over the 76ers, so we'll keep an eye on that.
0: In Chicago, Carmel Anthony has been waived to facilitate that TLC trade where the Bulls have gotten $5.2 million in cash for some pretty limited trades. They've cleared uh, almost $4 million bucks in those compared to what they're actually going to have to pay these guys and carmelo is going to clear waivers and there's thought that he might find a team after the trade deadline dust has settled also some talk that kcp could be traded to chicago for jabari parker that would be an incredibly dumb trade by the lakers to think that jabari is going to help them more than kcp has that's just completely insane um jabari is the absolute last thing that this lakers team needs to to help them this season in Boston Marcus Morris with some right knee soreness Remember his knee soreness that messed up his year last year and and he's been playing a lot worse the last month or so after just shooting it like crazy the first couple months and Kerry Irving didn't play against their the Cavs which they won anyway on the road he's actually now missed seven games since the start of the new year not all with this hip soreness but a lot of that's been against crappy opponents it's something to keep a little bit of an eye on though with him since you know he's always a a threat to miss some time but good news out of Brooklyn of one of the scariest injuries that we've seen with Karis Levert potentially returning soon.
1: Yeah, very encouraging that Lavert per Woj is returning soon to five-on-five five practice, and there is optimism that he can return to the Nets lineup prior to the All-Star break, which is not that long. It's basically a week from right now. But let's, let's say it's a little bit less successful than that. And he's back after the All-Star break. The Nets are going into this tough schedule at the end of the year and getting Levert back would be a a great thing for them. And Alan Crabb is also returning soon. He is expected to play on Wednesday. He has been out for a month and a half. The last game he played in was December 12th. And they have depth. You know, Joe Harris is, has stepped into a larger role. Crab wasn't having a great season anyway. Just good to have an extra guy. That probably does not apply to Zazamusa, Musa, who has not really been a part of their, their regular team, even though Kurucs has done such a nice job. He's going to stay in the G League for now, but he is cleared to play. We can jump to Charlotte, where the good news is that Cody Zeller played. He came off the bench and played 23 minutes in their close loss, weird, weird ending to the game against the LA Clippers. But Tony Parker missed that game due to what was called a backstream strain. He's been dealing with right right ankle soreness, so anytime somebody appears on the injury report for a different reason, I get a little bit concerned. We'll keep an eye on that, of course. In Denver, Harris, Murray, and Millsap all did not play in their demolition loss to the Pistons Murray is close he might he might come back soon he was questionable and didn't play so we'll keep an eye on that Eric Gordon didn't play against the Suns and had left the previous two games early due to right knee soreness so I, it's just concerning he's such a, an important part of their rotation especially that they're shallower this year and then Doug McDermott has bruised ribs he will be out at least two more contests
0: well a lot of new faces and new places are going to result from this trade deadline and if you want to go ahead and see those guys in person SeatGeek is the way to do it they pull millions of tickets together into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for the price that you're willing to pay I use SeatGeek whenever I buy tickets to an event because they rank every ticket based on value look for that big dark green dot in the section you want to sit in and you can just trust that that's the best deal in that section you don't have to spend all this time comparing all the different tickets and trying to figure out whether moving up five rows is worth another 20 bucks or not They also guarantee every purchase so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And it's not just sports, concerts, comedy, theater, whatever it is, SeatGeek has tickets uh, available. My listeners, if you have not yet tried the SeatGeek app, you can get 10 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase via that familiar promo code Capspace. Easy to remember because we talk about Capspace all the time on the program. That's promo code Capspace for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. And don't forget that Capspace code to let them know that you came from us. Time to take a little bit of a break from all the trade deadlines stuff. Don't worry, you will get plenty of that from us. Also want to tell you guys about something we're doing that is, is I think it's pretty huge actually, even though it's not an NBA game. We're actually going to be able to do a cast of a G League game where we actually get the footage where we're whitelisted to do that now. So we're actually gonna be like really calling a game all in the same windows. So that's on, on Twitch. Follow me on Twitch at Nate Duncan NBA. We're gonna be starting on Friday at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, Rio Grande Valley Vipers versus the South Bay Lakers. We'll get to see Daniel House, I, I think, who is uh, on a two-way and ran out of days. And probably we'll get to see uh, Isaac Bonga, at least, uh, for the South Bay Lakers. But I realize it's not NBA, but this is probably the number one thing you could do to support us would be to follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash NBA because this is a, a huge step we actually are whitelisted from the nba to do g league games and the hope is if we do a good job here and it becomes popular enough that we might be able to actually do this for real live nba games as well so you won't have to sync up anymore or do any of that stuff it'll actually just all be in the same window so this is, this is a big step and to actually get some official recognition here for what we're doing is huge and so the more popular that becomes I think the more groundswell we can get so again uh twitch.tv slash nate duncan and NBA is where you're going to find that at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific on Friday for a G League game. And obviously, we'll be taking plenty of NBA questions as well. You know, it's not just necessarily going to be a G League game that we're doing. And we got a lot of work to do to get up to speed uh, on these two teams between now and then. because We're going to try and make it as close to a, a real broadcast, even though we're not experts on the G League. We'll do our best to become so between now and then. All right, all-star draft time now, Danny. And can you take us through real quickly what the format is uh, before I draft my completely dominating team?
1: That isn't what happened last year, but...
0: (laughs) The, the, wait, the, wait. Who did we end up with last year? Should we go? Should we just like look at that real quick? Well,
1: we how, can do our is... clo- we can do our closing five. So my closing five because I have it in the same Google Doc. My closing five I was LeBron's team. My closing five was Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. Your closing five was Stephen Curry, James Harden, Clay Thompson, Giannis, and I would assume that's Draymond Green. So it was basically the Warriors minus KD plus Giannis and Harden.
0: Yeah, I mean I don't know that that's uh, entirely clear that you're. T- team is uh <clears throat> so dominating there <laughs> but uh we'll see where we end up where we end up this year
1: yeah and, uh, and, and we're changing it up in, in the interest of fairness I picked first last year in the first round and then it switches in in for the reserves and so you're going to pick first in the in the starter round and I will pick first in the reserve round so that means means you are LeBron and I am Giannis.
0: Yeah, team LeBronkin is uh on the clock pretty shortly here. Yeah, last year hopefully I can, my whole strategy was ruined when I forgot that you have to draft all of the starters first before drafting some uh, the reserves although I think I got first pick in the reserves last year. That's gonna to be really interesting as well. So let's talk just who the starters are who remain Giannis and LeBron. <laughs> what, is, what are well, you calling your so team?
1: My team is Team Dante Acumpo. I, I I was trying. I'm, I'm like, how how do you how do you make this work? And and that's how you do it. And so yeah, let's go through the the eight starters that we have to choose from. The four remaining West guys: Steph Curry, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Paul George. And then the East starters: Kyrie, Kemba Walker, Kawhi, and Joel Embiid.
0: Yeah, and as we go through here in line, we'll also react a little bit to some of the All Star selections that we didn't necessarily agree with. So. I think that Steph Curry is the best remaining NBA player on the board but I am not going to select him for a, a couple of reasons one of which uh, I will get into maybe afterwards I don't want to reveal too much of my strategy right now but instead I'm going to do exactly what LeBron uh, did last year with the number 1 pick and I'm going to take Kevin Durant uh, we need some more size I think to match up uh, with Giannis
1: yeah that's not my favorite thing in the world for a couple of different reasons but I'm still going to take Steph Curry I think that he, you know, my offense can be built around his skill set and Giannis, you know, I'm, I'm happy that he's available because that means that I can, you know, I can let him run the show a little bit and everything else and my needs at, at that spot are different than yours. So I'm still going to go with Steph Curry
0: all right so still remaining here i think it's we've got the two guards irving and kemba walker got two small forwards george and leonard joel Embiid is the only pure center although there are plenty of those among the reserves but you know you want your starting lineup to match up reasonably well and and then there's james harden as well but i'm gonna go With Kawhi Leonard here, I, again, want some more defensive options on these guys who, you know, obviously are great players with the ball in their hands for Team (laughs) God It makes me laugh every time I see that. I, I love that we had to hit the button on the excel spreadsheet that uh wraps the text cuz it just didn't even fit in the cell. <laughs> uh so I am going to go with Kawhi Again, I want to have some more defense, some more versatility, and I I think those there's plenty of scoring available on these all-star rosters, so uh, I'm orienting my team towards defense so far here.
1: I had previously, you know, in other like I had thought about going with a a wing heavy group. There are are a lot of wonderful wings in this starting collection. And since you took two of the three, even though I have a preference in some of the other spots, I'm going to go with Paul George just to make sure that you don't get him. I think that there would be a chance because then you would have that run on them and there aren't as many comparable guys in other groups. So even though that leaves you with a pretty desirable choice, I'm going to take Paul George anyway.
0: So now we're left with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, and Joel Embiid. I had anticipated that I was probably going to get stuck with Harden and so I didn't want to go with guys who couldn't switch because James Harden needs to switch. So I will in fact take James Harden now. I mean it's just so much talent on the team. He's hasn't had a chance to scale really. You know he never plays off ball. He's had all these times where he hasn't been assisted at all but he acknowledged in some comments yesterday that he can't be as ball dominant going forward here. So I I think he can fit into what we're trying to do and certainly in terms of the available talent remaining, uh he is uh, clearly the just the best overall players at some time talent has to trump fit although i think both of us are emphasizing fit pretty closely here
1: so this is this is a tough call for me because i love Kyrie. i think that Kyrie's is a wonderful player he is a little bit superfluous when i have steph but having those two guys is there the other guy that i'm seriously considering and i don't think this is going Im- to impact your choices joel and beat just because joel and beat is a wonderful center but as you've said the center position is very 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 deep moving forward you know in the second round and all that kind of stuff and while I agree with you that it is great to have a traditional starting lineup I'm going to go with Kyrie partially because I think that he's a better option and maybe that leads you to taking Kemba but also because if you take Joel instead of Kemba Walker then I'm I, I still have Kyrie and I'm happy with that so I'm going with Kyrie
0: well I love this I'm gonna take Joel because now your starting lineup has three guards who are like six two and under basically so you're st- you're stuck with Kemba now I think, and also he's clearly like just not even on the same plane as a player as the rest of these guys. So, I mean, you know, I don't really know how this could have worked much differently for you. I mean, I think if I were in your position, I might have taken Embiid just to try to get some size, but then Embiid and Giannis, how well do those guys fit together? I mean, I've just got so much size, uh, compared to, to your team right now, but I really had the advantage with having the first pick. So it's, uh, but I, I and you are going to get stuck with Kemba regardless. So I think if I were you, knowing that I would have been stuck with him, I might have tried to not draft the small guards and I was trying to not draft the small guards well the, I'll, I'll, I knew you'd get stuck there
1: I'll tell you why I didn't and that's because of the idea between the starters and the closing five I care more yeah. about the closing five than the starters and I'm saying they're going well Kemba's a good basketball player I can use him in a lot of different ways and he just won't be a part of my closing five yeah well I
0: mean if he if these guys have to start both halves which they probably do you know I'm hoping I can just run up the score enough during that period that it's not going to matter as much so all right, uh, and let's talk just a little bit about the starters. I think these are the starters that we would have had. Uh, you except I would have had Brad Beal instead of Walker. Again, I mean, neither Walker nor Beal are anywhere close to the plane that the rest of these guys uh, are on. Um, you no, know, I think we uh, would you have had AD as a starter over Paul George? I, I can't remember.
1: I think I did when we recorded the podcast, but things have changed since then. I mean, Paul George yes. is continuing to play really, really well, and not and, only and all missed time. Yeah, yeah. so when we picked it Yeah, I I had Paul George and that's I had, I mean, I had AD over Paul George. Also, the body of work to me speaks in favor of Davis. Also like rewarding a, you know, a center, you know, having a, a real, tr- some somebody who is among the best at his position yeah. and having that be represented. I, I do like that. It's not, it's more of a tiebreaker than anything else for me, but I, it was something that weighed in his favor. So yeah. yeah this I, whole
0: front court thing has got to go. I mean, that's, th- that was done because everyone's like, oh, all the centers suck. But that was like kind of, you know, like a three-year lull and the NBA was trying to be like more forward thinking and just like oh yeah you don't have to have a center anymore but really you know i think just having like two guards and two forwards and a center actually makes more sense versus just guards and front court uh so i mean or or you can say it's point guard wings bigs too but generally most teams are only going with one traditional big at this point but anyway like this whole front court thing i mean there's like i think three different ways of doing it that would be better than this right i mean you could have point guard shooting guard small forward power forward center or you could have guards and forwards or you could have point guard wings bigs as well that would all make more sense than the way they do it right now
1: well i will say that i would i'm happy that it's not point guard wing big because i'm happy that there are more point guards than two guards on this list because they're better players
0: okay so you have the first selection among the reserves i am very curious to see what you're going to do i my guess is that you are debating seriously between two different players here
1: that would be correct sir i am debating between two different players and
0: I, and i guess you can't reveal who those two are cuz you don't want
1: no, me to no because there's a possibility, the possibility yeah. that you're not going to take the other guy yeah and i am the, the reason that i'm choosing the the player that I'm choosing. Ah, God! It's a, it's such a. <laughs> this is this is the single hardest choice because I
0: know I would be very much. Uh, uh, although for my team, I think the choice would be relatively clear. For your team, it's tough though yeah Um, because you you do not have a lot of size and and clearly i mean i think we can agree that of the players remaining on the board ad is clearly the best player yes but do you want to go for a benefit i mean at least you know that ad because he's probably like just not even gonna be allowed to play much the rest of the year like he's gonna be actually yeah he's gonna he's going
1: to be more active like (laughs) that actually is going to be one of the one of the things that i I wanted to talk about with this pick
0: yeah and Oh, oh and one more thing too if we're keeping it kind of real life realistic if I were, like, actually LeBron in real life, you know I would have just picked Kyrie first. Like, that, just just as, like, to create all the stories and, like, you know, throw him a bonus for the, hey, you know, you could still come to L.A. Well, and that summer. that
1: same logic, if I were Giannis, I would take Anthony Davis, not only because the Bucks were on his <laughs> list, but because LeBron and AD, you want to keep them apart. I, I think that that's a part of it. And with all of that said, I'm still, God, you have so much size. Good lord, you like, you, oh, jeez, that's so weird. Um. I'm going with Clay. You know what? Screw it. I'm going with Clay. There are so many centers. I love. I love AD. I do. I, I wonder what his activism is going to like. Like what his activity level is going to be. But Clay in this setting, like the difference between him and Beal is that he's a way better defender, and I think that he could actually use that. I mean, and I'm, I'm drafting this more not as necessarily an All Star team where nobody tries on defense, yeah. but that his versatility there I think could be useful with all of my small guards. We saw this in. or you weren't there in the game when they played the Six. There's Clay chasing around JJ Redick, and I, I know that you don't have them now, but you are eventually going to have guys that he's going to have to do battle with. And so, I'm going to go with Clay, thinking that the the replacement player concept with him is actually steeper than it is for the bigs.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. Actually, I think that these, uh, and we'll talk about that with the, the Rudy Gobert snub uh, as well. We can uh, after we're done here, we'll talk about some of these selections, Angela Russell. uh But yeah, I I I am going to obviously go with AD now. I mean, he's clearly the best player. I think he's a better fit than Embiid. He'll be in my closing lineup over Embiid. Embiid will talk shit later on social media, and it's not going to matter because uh my team's going to look pretty awesome in the closing five and. For those who are like Clay Thompson, what are you talking about? Like he didn't even really deserve to be on the team, which I agree with. I don't think he deserved to be on the team the way he's played for most of the year. But uh, just you got to remember scalability. There's only the whole. There's only one ball. That's a, a little bit of a hackneyed conceit there. But the idea that you need a certain amount of shooting, you need guys who can operate off the ball, even if they are going to finish plays, and you need guys who can create and guys who can finish. And so Clay, I mean, he's. I tried to pick him before we even ran out of the starters last year, and I could just because again he's scales so well he's a good defensive player he can switch you can't leave him at all he can run off some screens as well if you need to I mean he'll take a few too many twos but you could also just not give him the ball unless he's behind the three-point line and that's why he really just fits in so well I mean I remember when Mike Krzyzewski was not playing him on the Olympic team in 2016 I was like are you kidding me like you know and he was playing like Carmelo Kyrie and DeMarcus together over like Clay and Paul Jordan like just like you just don't understand how teams fit together at all when you have this much talent if you're doing that so yeah and Thompson just doesn't really have many weaknesses which are is going to be huge I mean there just are not many weaknesses uh, among all of these guys here so I'm I'm a little jealous that you got Clay because I you know AD I felt like I could have gotten some other big so uh but obviously I like him better than Embiid I mean and now our team can switch one through five to at the end of the game which is gonna be pretty nasty
1: with my second pick, I'm conflicted between taking somebody that I'm convinced would be your next pick and taking somebody who makes more sense with my team
0: all right let's make a note of that by the way i want to hear who you thought i was going to take or i guess after i take them you can yeah you can say that uh but sorry, and sorry go ahead
1: so so basically between my need and your need because my team is still very low on big men however there are a lot of them and my preferences. i do have preferences but i don't think those preferences are particularly severe so damn it i'm just gonna make your team worse nope this is this is why, why it's hard this is, <laughs> there's another there's there are two guys
0: here i i can just Ear muffet if you want to just say no what you're no
1: no here. no I'll I'll explain it after you make your pick so I'm going to go with and this probably surprised a lot of people but again it goes to the idea of positional scarcity I'm going to go with Chris Middleton because there isn't really another type of guy like him you know middle the more wing sized guys and I just like how he can fit he already has played with Giannis obviously he has his opinion I think Middleton is actually going to be the first res- reserve taken I think Giannis is going to take him over AD. Yeah, he's made
0: comments to that effect.
1: And, and I, I think Middleton, you know, there are a lot of guys that I like here. The other big thing for me is that Ben Simmons, I'm thinking about it of like that his fit with Giannis isn't particularly great, though. It would be fun to see those guys together. So, you know, if there are other guys that if they're around, I might take them, but I just think Middleton, you know, he's kind of the last of his ilk there. And so I, I was, cause he's a bigger than Beal. So I'm like, okay, I can, I can do something with that. Cause other than Paul George, you have all the other wing size guys. So I'm like, okay, I'll get one more.
0: Yeah. I wish if Middleton were just a little bit better defensively. I think he would have been an obvious pick, and I might even have considered taking him. But yeah, this this is really interesting here now for me. And remember, the way we're dealing with this, we're pretending that this is like you know an nba final series with these teams matching up or, or you know a game seven of the finals like you know everyone's playing hard we're not gonna be like oh well you know russell westbrook works great in the all-star game because like he plays really hard and pushes the ball and nobody's trying like I, i'm we're not going through that kind of an analysis we're not trying to win an all-star game we're trying to say if these teams really match up with each other and we're playing hard and had some time to be coached and stuff so that said I think I'm going to maintain my theme of versatility here. And I will go with Ben Simmons just to give another guy who can come in, still do my switching one through five uh, approach. We're going to try and do a lot of that. I do like uh, the transition game. We got a lot of great transition players here. Uh, you know, he could sub in for Harden, and you know, everyone else on my team can shoot. So I'm not really that worried about his lack of shooting ability. And, I, and I, I'm thinking of him as more of, you know, a 10 or 15 minute a game reserve anyway, who can come in. And and defend and still play the same system. So I I like my team a lot better than yours defensively. That's where I, I'm still kind of focusing here now. Um. So do you want to reveal uh, what you're doing, or did I not yes. even pick that guy? You yet?
1: didn't pick okay. that guy. So if okay. you're never going to take Damian Lillard, I'm taking Damian Lillard because he's a wonderful offensive player. I now have the if if we're drawing positions the way I draw them, I now have the four best point guards in the world, which is pretty exciting. I can just play them two and two. I yeah, don't care. None that of them
0: can play pick and roll because all my guys are just gonna switch you
1: and eh, whatever damn can do fine i'm not i'm not super concerned about it and also it's to keep him away from you and again this is keeping with the idea basically i think part of what's going on here is that neither one of us is taking bigs high because once somebody takes one you can just take another and then it's fine you know the 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 margin there so i'm just going to keep taking guys that aren't that who i just i have the biggest difference between how much i like them and i like their compatriots and so for me the the margin between dame lowry and d'angelo russell is the biggest of any of the positional groups
0: yeah that makes sense to me uh Again, I'm just, I, I got plenty of guys who can run pick and roll. I don't really need like a point guard. I, I would rather have a 6'9 point guard, which I have a, a number of guys or, you know, a 6'5 point guard who, you know, you can't post up. So uh, I can't believe I'm touting Harden's defense that much. Maybe I'm being a little bit of a shill here for, for my squad. Uh, okay, so still left on the board here. The Smalls, I guess you could say. Russell Westbrook, Bradley beale Kyle Lowry, biggs Lamarcus, Nikola Jokic, Blake Griffin, Vucevic. Oh, did I forget Russell among the Smalls? I guess I did. Well, he, he's he's not really an All Star, uh, and I'm already resigned to the fact that I'm going to get stuck with this So <laughs> there's really there's really no way around it at, at this point. um Okay, I'm trying to decide whether to go big now. At this point, I do have two bigs already. I mean, that with between Embiid and AD, you know, I'm not really wanting to play that many other centers. You know, I have to play Embiid in the starting lineup, so I think I'm going to go with Blake Griffin here, another guy who can grab and go. He can shoot it well enough. His defense is certainly waned this year, as he's but a, another guy who, at his best, can move his feet a little bit and switch. He, he's a tank. He can guard in the post a little bit. I, I'm hopeful that in a more limited role, he can defend better than he has since he got to detroit so that's why i'm going with blake here uh, and i am very curious to see where you're gonna go next
1: i would love to go with another perimeter player just because i do have another preference there but i'm going to take i'm gonna take carl anthony towns i think that he can fit in really well with what i'm doing i wonder what his you know, physical potential defensively, like how that could work there. And I love what Jokic does, but with this many good teammates, even though guys like Steph and Kyrie can do a lot of work, Clay obviously off ball, I feel like Towns towns is probably to me a, a more intuitive fit on a team that doesn't have to use his unique gifts and so that's why i'm going with towns over over Jokic.
0: yeah i love the fact that you just don't care about defense on this team at, at all uh i'm gonna take brad beal at this point i need one more shooter and, and he's really the best one left to, on the board at this point point. and i think he's he at least will try defensively he's got some size so uh not ideal to fit into my switching system but we're getting to the ninth man now so um you know i think beal we are going to need one more shooter off the bench Uh, other than kd i mean we've got guys who can definitely make shots we've got leonard we've got harden but those aren't guys who are just kind of pure spot up shooting type of guys so that's why i'm going to go with b i think we we still have a real need there and and i'm feeling pretty good about my team now we're probably just getting down to the reserves here that top nine i I feel great about at this point
1: i was really hoping you were going to take a big because then that would make my decision easier so instead maybe out of spite i'm taking kyle lowry because i don't want to have like Russ and, Russ and D'Angelo, I just don't really need either of them. And so, Lowry, I like more than the other ones. And I'm torn between bigs, so I'm, gonna, I'm hoping that you'll make a decision. And if you don't, then I'll just choose whoever I want next round.
0: All right, so we still have LaMarcus... Jokic, Westbrook, Vucevic, and Russell. Nikola Jokic is by far the best player of those guys remaining. He is a magical passer, which can help these guys all improve. I am a little worried about the defense. Lamarcus is probably the best defensive player remaining. I also, It doesn't make any sense for me to draft Westbrook because you're not going to take him. You've got 8 million point guards, so I can always just get him later. So I will go with uh, Nikola Jokic, just because I think he's that much better than uh, Lamarcus. And um, yeah, you know, that's he's not going to switch at all. Lamarcus could do that a little better but he's still not great at it so at this point there's no great fit here I will stick with Jokic just because of the passing and the shooting. I think he can scale pretty well in a way that LaMarcus doesn't really.
1: Jokic was probably the better pick for your team and I think LaMarcus is the better pick for my team. So I'm happy yeah. to I'm happy to have him. Like that, that was kind of how I expected it to go around before this, which is unfortunate because I actually would have taken Beal if I would have known that you would have waited another round just to have him. I like Bradley Beal. I think he's a good fit for this. So I'm taking LaMarcus here. That's not not really much hesitation for me. I think he's a better player for this format that, that we're using to pick than the other guys. Like, Russ is a, certainly a talented player, you know. He is... A recent mvp he is higher on the echelon but he is totally superfluous on my team and i mean i have a million point guards and they fit in better in this kind of a system now if we were playing a single all-star game i would take Russ a lot higher because he plays like he gives a shit and that's useful but that's a different exercise
0: yeah unfortunately his giving a shit results in a lot of shots taken at a 48 percent true shooting which uh, probably isn't what you want in an all-star setting i'm actually a little torn here i mean team chemistry russell westbrook is not the kind of guy who's gonna sit on the bench and be happy about it he and kd don't get really really get along so you know what and also maybe there's some possibility that i could force the angela russell on you if i don't take westbrook so i'm gonna take Nikola vucevic i'm doing it i don't i don't want westbrook on my team uh because i don't think he's gonna be good for chemistry and as we're getting down to the 11th man here it doesn't really matter uh, and so Vucevic isn't going to play for me either, but he's a first-time All-Star. Hopefully, he'll be cool with you know getting a few spot minutes here and there.
1: You had the chance to put the OKC trio back together and chose not to do it. That uh,
0: yeah, th- there's and those guys <laughs> didn't want to be together either. Well, maybe <laughs> but, maybe in the beginning. I don't know. Did. I think uh, they,
1: I think they probably get along decently now. I mean, it, it probably took some time, but you are not going to voice D'Angelo Russell on me. I mean, you could make there is an argument to be made that with everything that Russell might make more sense. With it, my team but uh, i shouldn't have said it that way because westbrook and d'angelo because (laughs) he's you know, he's a more capable shooter, he can function more off ball, but Westbrook active defensively, he gets to play with Paul George, which would be which would be exciting. And I mean he, he gets he's just to sit
0: on the bench and watch Paul George play, you mean?
1: <laughs> hey. He, maybe he can learn how good Paul George can be in crunch time. Maybe that maybe that'll be the lesson and that can OK OKC can can gain a real benefit from it. So I'm gonna take Russ over to Andrew Russell. He is a meaningfully better player and I I care about that at this juncture, so I'm going to go with Westbrook.
0: Yeah, and I could see that that you might actually want to play Westbrook over Kemba. Potentially. Um so yeah, I'm stuck with D'Angelo Russell uh, to finish it out here. Who do you think is the last player drafted like in real life?
1: Probably Vooch. I mean there are so and many Russell
0: Russell second Second to last. last like
1: yeah. there, there there are so many bigs and Vooch is, is good, but I think that he's especially when Giannis and LeBron are the are the captains, I think they will value the guys who can do a lot with the ball in their hands, and so that will lead to some of them going higher in the draft. Like I think Russell Westbrook is going to go a lot. Higher than he did in this one in particular, but Vooch, yeah, so Vooch would be my my pick. I'm not 100 percent confident in it. I mean, if if Victor Oladipo had been healthy, then I would have been almost 100 percent confident in it. But uh, sadly, he is not, so it's a more challenging thing, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I would if Victor Oladipo were healthy, I would have drafted him before a lot of these guys. um But unfortunately, he is not, and it wouldn't surprise me for Russell just because maybe he's still unpopular due to that uh the snitching episode. Which which, you know, I've personally, I mean, that's not, that wasn't great, but it's not like, you know, Nick Young was like being a good guy (laughs) for what he got outed for. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about some of the snubs here. I mean, for me well I'll let you go first here who would you who made it would you have had out and who would you have replaced him with I know we talked about this a little bit before but now that we actually have the teams it's interesting to talk about
1: Gobert is the most obvious inclusion for me I I would have had him so if we're talking western conference reserves because you're not allowed to to swap it over and also that is stupid like it doesn't have if you're especially if you're not drafting by teams it should be the 20 actually it should be the 26 best players but if it's going to be the 24 also we have to I guess technically do that you can pick Dwyane Wade whenever you want, but unless you're not, which would actually be kind of funny. But no, um,
0: I, I am going to pick Wade just because yeah. Jerk is going to be is such a defensive liability that it's just and and you're going to have to play him a little bit. If, if I mean, I guess we're not doing an actual All Star format, but yeah. Uh, so, but but, but yeah, so I mean, for yeah, I'll, me, I'll, I'll take Wade and LeBron. LeBron would of course take Wade because that's his guy.
1: So for me, the the most egregious non chosen player is Rudy Gobert. I would have taken him over Lamarcus. I mean, I he would have been. My my, well no because ad technically didn't start so he would have been my second west big behind anthony davis and i mean he's been awesome this year so that could mean a lamarcus is out that could mean clay i, I just don't think clay warranted it with his play over the course of the season now his body of work as a career is you know and he, I, I picked him first of the reserves for a reason so you have that i mean d'angelo in terms of the but East- let's
0: let's save that one actually let's just talk quickly about the sure. about the west um yeah i mean gobert to me he was ninth of my 12 selections. Elections, but the two guys, one of the two guys, or I shouldn't say one of those guys, the two guys that I would have had out for him were both guards, Westbrook and Clay Thompson. And when you're comparing Gobert to Carl Anthony Towns or Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, I think that's probably what happened in the coaches voting, other than the explanation I gave yesterday, too, which is that, you know, I think the, because coaches focus on defense more in their preparation, that that leads them to overrate offensive players. But and underrate defensive players because you're not preparing for Rudy Gobert as much, at least during the regular season. Maybe during a playoff series, you would more. So if you're comparing him to Towns and Aldridge, you know, it's not as much of a travesty. I I think he's been better than both of those guys, but not so obviously better this year. Certainly the impact metrics like him better. Uh, Those have been lower on Towns and Aldridge, but uh, those guys also provide a lot more on offense than Gobert does. So... That's not as much of a travesty. I think he's been so much better than Westbrook and Clay. But if the coaches are saying, you know, voting for guards there uh, the western conference reserve guards other than lillard there isn't really anyone who looked like a lock i ended up having drew holiday and gobert rather than westbrook and thompson and both of those guys numbers just you know they don't really have a case in, in my view with westbrook being as inefficient as he has yeah his passing has been great but you know he, there's really 48 percent true shooting is tough tough to deal with but should we turn to the east now here do you want to add any more on the west
1: i don't really need to add anything more for those so in the east there were. I went back and looked at my sheet. There were kind of two subs that I would make. One would be, and you could think of this in either, you know, like, so to me, the worst guy who made it on is D'Angelo Russell, and to me, the best guy who didn't is jimmy butler i mean butler's case is a little bit bizarre because of everything that happened in minnesota but then the other one is miles turner and chris middleton middleton a part of that fabulous bucks team but i think turner has been and i remember this is as we were picking and the pacers defense has gone a little downhill but there are other reasons for that as well so those would have been my two you know there was it was true then I, I i'm not haven't really seen anything to go away from that sort of an evaluation at this point
0: yeah Russell wasn't even remotely in consideration for me he's not even the best point guard on his own team he's 53% true shooting awful awful defensive player you know he's that's three points below the league average basically in in terms of true shooting and he's the kind of guy who beats up on bad defenses and anytime you get guys with with mobility or athleticism it's going to fall apart for him he can't get to the rim at all he finishes 53% at the rim he doesn't get to the foul line at all he's totally dependent on the jump shot passing has taken a step forward but I mean I don't think He's even necessarily a top 15 point guard in the league we'll have to go through our rankings that might fudge that by a few numbers either way but i mean i think eric bledsoe al horford pascal siakam not to mention butler as well oladipo is another one i think even before the injury he just was first of all he missed a month he only had one year of being really good last year although that, that was obviously far superior to a lot of the guys in this last year who were in this year in the east but and then also you know to have this injury I mean, he missed nearly two months of the season now by the time the all-star game actually gets here and wasn't playing at that great of a level either so i i didn't really think there's much of an argument for him other than just oh we made it last year and the pacers are pretty good and we have to pick someone for the pacers miles turner was the guy that you talked me into at the end you know i think he's taken a step back the pacers defense has taken a step back as well so that's a little tougher but they're really just you know who was that 12th guy jimmy butler was obvious to me just because of what he's done in the past and you know he's been pretty solid uh this year for the sixers and yeah he did that thing in minnesota and maybe that's the coaches trying to punish him for that by not selecting him that just doesn't really make much sense to me at at all um i mean it makes sense to me but it's not fair when he's just so much better of a player than the rest of these guys and then you know middleton to me was also the third best guy on his own team in terms of the impact metrics he's really been right around the league average in terms of true shooting that was one of those ones where all right the buck are really good who's the second player we're going to pick from them oh chris middleton had a really hot first two weeks of the year and so we're not going to actually really like look at his stats and what he's doing and and he's a guy who's been talked about for longer he's presumably is going to get a max contract but i think both Bledsoe and lopez have been better than him this year even if he's maybe more valuable because of the position he plays um so yeah i was uh not a huge fan of the russell pick or the oladipo pick and uh you know i think that that those it's just yeah the east is pretty rough but i think jimmy butler to me has a bigger grievance than rudy gobert does just because the guy who got selected instead of him was just you know so bad and and this is really interesting danny we should talk about this what does it mean now that d'angelo russell made an all-star team i mean that's gonna really complicate things for the nets it shouldn't because he's not a deserving all-star but it's going to
1: there is a huge threshold in not the nets thinking but every other teams about whether this player whoever it is is good enough as a restricted free agent to really go after and why I would be concerned as the Nets is an all-star appearance might be enough to encourage a team, especially a team that may bot may not be as well run. There are a few examples that could be there that might be point guard needy. To say, hey, this is our guy. Like we we might as well go after it, especially if they're not unrestricted destinations. He's
0: a twenty three year old all star.
1: Exactly, and so that's why they should be scared. You know, rest- restricted for agency this year. I think that a lot of teams are going to be out when the first line of music stops, and then the teams that are left, a lot of them, like let's say it's the Clippers. Like I don't. Think think the Clippers are going to go hard after D'Angelo Russell you know those types of teams but if it's Phoenix if it's I mean, I think Orlando is better run, but th- there might be a circumstance. I mean, they're so point guard needy, and if one of those teams offers him like twenty million a year, you're sitting there going, "Well, shit!" And then you get I mean, all of it's
0: those. Gonna it. now, yeah, it? like, it in it's going to be more than that like, well, now, isn't it? Yeah, twenty five could be. Of course, it's going to be more than that. Well,
1: I mean, it depends on which teams have cap space available because yeah. restricted free agents are always after the first stage. So yeah. maybe maybe somebody gets spoken for that we're surprised by. Yeah, and but, it is a
0: good point guard market in the unrestricted free. Oh, agents absolutely. As
1: well. Yeah, and unfortunately for teams like the Magic and all that, there are not, from what I hear, there are not that many point guards. Morant is really the guy, maybe Garland. So I'm not sure that anybody will draft one and say, we don't want to sign anybody either.
0: Yeah, 2017, we saw the point guard market really get impacted by the drafting of point guards. But, uh, you know, I I don't anticipate that being as much of an issue this year. Um, Yeah, I mean, to me, it's really going to be more, are the Nets going to have the balls to not match? I mean, can you let, and it doesn't look like they are in the mix for some of these great free agents despite the fact that they have all this space i mean we sort of viewed it as faded accompli at the start of the year that that russell 21 million cap hole they're going to just let that go and that it seemed unlikely that he would resign and that doesn't seem like they made any progress at all on extension talks so yeah i mean are they going to have the balls to just trust their evaluation and let him go or are they just going to say hey we're trying to build something here he's been a big part of it he was an all-star we'll see how he plays the rest of the season too and they are going to make the playoffs we'll see how he plays in the playoffs but yeah it's uh that would be a huge mistake in my view to spend that kind of money on a guy who number one i don't think has the upside you know i mean because really i think he's shooting about as well as he can right now i don't think he can get much better there and there's just maybe he can become a little bit better of a passer a little bit better of a defender but there's really you know with his athleticism not a ton of upside to get a lot better and so i mean it's like oh he's an all-star you know we pay him 25 million yeah that's perfectly good no let's uh let's calm down a little bit there um i want to mention one other
1: thing there i mean i mean mentally i'm in the process of starting to work on my off-season preview stuff because that i'm going to start working on that in two weeks but brooklyn's long-term financial flexibility is very impacted by what they decide with d'angelo russell because they don't have a lot of long-term money on their books they have dinwiddie who's at about you know 11 12 million a year and then eventually they're going to have to probably pay carousel Silvert, and then they will you know depending on who who does well from this group then be one or two other guys yeah. jared allen jared probably allen among, yeah. among that group but if you give d'angelo russell 25 to 28 million you have a lot less to work with. And so even if this, you know, the the rosy scenario of Kenny Atkinson's a coach that people want to play for, you're in a major market, even if you're not the team in that major market, you have a lot less to work with unless they think they can get D'Angelo Russell at that kind of price and then he still passes the Nene test and so they can move him. But that's a really risky gamble. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have the confidence to do that.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't either. And, you know, having made the all star team, the idea of like getting him to agree on a relatively low ball offer, he's going to want the max now. You know, so, so before restricted free agency, is going to be tough and i mean imagine if like andrew wiggins had been in the east his second year when he's averaging like 22 or 23 a game and he he could have made an all-star team and then you know they ended up maxing him out anyway i mean that's
1: oh you didn't you didn't give me the chance to go oh and maybe then somebody would have been dumb enough to give him the max i I was i I didn't (laughs) unmute myself quickly enough that's why i shouldn't mute myself
0: (laughs) um Another another consequence here, you can basically write Clay Thompson's ticket to the Hall of Fame now. I think, you know, a fifth all-star team, already a three-time champion. It looks likely to be a four-time champion. He's gonna make it. Draymond Green not making it. Uh I mean, I didn't even really think it was that possible that Clay could make it, frankly. Um Draymond Green not making it, you know, that's a little bit of a blow to his all-star chances. Cause he didn't make it in twenty fifteen. He's only what I think a three time all-star. That's kind of right on the borderline. Although if Dennis Rodman made it, you would have to think that he'd be in there. Rodman had a lot of longevity though. Uh, despite getting a really late start in in terms of his age i think he was like you know 24 25 by the time he debuted so that that's just interesting to keep in mind as well blake griffin getting an all-star selection i think that's something that's going to help push him in that direction as well kyle lowry another interesting one for him to make another team i I didn't think that was a lock at all just based on the time that he's missed and that his stats are not that unbelievable i think you know i think he was deserving in in an eastern conference by the impact metrics where there weren't really many other great selections so i think the coaches did it right that time um so that's a really interesting one as well Kemba Walker of course starting the all-star game in his hometown that's pretty huge any other one here on you see that like oh this all-star selection is really gonna burnish their historical legacy LaMarcus Aldridge I mean he's gonna be a hall of famer I think it was the six seven all-stars for him now
1: you think a lot more about that than I do. So I will, I I, I think it's really nice as a feather in the cap for somebody like Chris Middleton. It's very possible this ends up being his only all-star. I don't think it affects his hall of fame credentials or anything like that, but I like for a guy who's been good for a, a while to get that opportunity. Oh, actually, there is one other thing I wanted to ask you. Okay. Does Clay making the All-Star team change the way you think about his All-NBA eligibility or viability? Because that was something that I thought was basically off the table. And now with him making it, I'm like, oh, maybe maybe it's a different voting pool, but maybe they'll consider him as well, especially if the Warriors play well in the second half of the season.
0: All right. Well, so let's think about this. Curry, Irving, Harden, those guys are locks. Lillard is a lock ahead of him. So now he's in competition with Kemba, B. Thiel, Lowry, Oladipo getting injured helps them a lot, actually, at the guard position.
1: Ben Simmons is probably going to be counted as a guard.
0: Yeah, okay, so it's really Clay, Kemba, Simmons beal and lowry yeah wouldn't shock me especially if he plays well the rest of the season if the warriors continue on this really nice run that they've been on as well 12 and 1 in their last 13 games you know if they get to 60 wins as they're projected to shit he could make it
1: and that has huge implications for the offseason
0: yeah and joe lake have had some comments today or yesterday with to Kyle kami saying that money is going to be no object now they don't have to pay him the full 35 percent of the salary cap it could in theory give the warriors a financial advantage but they already had the financial advantage with the eight percent raises and the uh 30 max well and, and that was yeah go and ahead. that's
1: the other big part of this is that you cannot offer a 30 you can't offer a designated veteran contract for f- fewer than five years as a new contract so yeah. they can't do that like fun thing of like oh 33 for four years or three years plus one yeah. or something like that they it could do 33
0: percent fun. for five Years sure something like certainly that. But, but yeah, so I mean, and that was already gonna be a really bad contract by the end. And now if he, he makes designated veteran, I mean that would be yeah, that's that would be uh a, a big problem for the Warriors. And and the thought has been that if, as long as the Warriors come correct with their offer, clay's not gonna leave. But it's gonna be a problem when if they try to lowball him in some respect, and you know, there was thought maybe he could get the DeRozan, you know, the five year a little bit less than the max, but still way more guaranteed than he could get from another team. So uh yeah, I mean the but the idea that hey, you're not paying me absolutely as much as you can, eh, you know, it's, uh, it's a concern. Uh, all right. I think we can wrap up here for this segment. Don't know when this is going to run exactly or what we're going to have before or after this. So, uh, you know, maybe we're done. Maybe we're not. We'll see. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period.